you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. I'm gonna just leave it up there. He couldn't make that if he tried that again. Absolutely. Welcome to Buckets, the fantasy basketball podcast on the Action Network. I'm your host, Dan Titus, and I'm joined, as always, with my boy, Adam Koffler here. And we are joined by a special guest, a member of the Stretch 4 podcast. If you guys listened to us before, you know Zach Hanshu was an integral part of that show. He was the one that kind of ushered us into this fantasy space for Fantasy Pros. He was our, our lead editor for Fantasy Pros. But now, we are so fortunate and lucky to now have him and steal him for the Action Network. He's going to be doing some DFS stuff for us this year for the NBA. So really excited to have him on. Zach Hanshu, what's up, dude? What's up, fellas? Uh, appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, we haven't potted together in been almost three months, man. So I'm uh, really glad you guys invited me on and, and looking forward to chatting, man. Thanks for having me. If you recognize the name Zach Hanshu, it's because he finished number one, I believe, in the NFL Week 2 Fantasy Pros ranking competition, right? Like this, this man, if you want to get fantasy football rankings to help make your start sit decisions, check out Zach Hanshu and check out his quick grades on fantasy pros. This dude crushes it. I should have quit podding with you guys a long time ago. You guys say a lot more nicer <laughs> things about me when I'm the guest. <laughs> and there's nothing to believe about it. Check the stats, man. This man is number one for week two. And uh, congrats on that, Zach. I know that that was a huge accomplishment for your fantasy analysis and your expertise there you've just been funneling out articles what seems to be every day now for nba we saw some of your stuff featured for nba fantasy and and on nba.com so congrats on that as well Uh, but we want to talk about today we're going to get into the outside the top 100 on espn's rankings and i just looked up the latest rankings yesterday for head to head and to my astonishment i see steph curry sitting at number six in head-to-head formats which is just a joke so we figure we might as well have Hanshu on here because he's been he's been getting after ESPN's rankings and Yahoo's all offseason. So let's talk about some values that we have in outside the top 100. Zach, I'll start with you, man. Uh, who's the top who's the top guy you like out of outside the top 100? As you mentioned, ESPN rankings, they're whack, dude. Uh, Steph Curry at six is crazy. Uh, there's a ton, a ton of value outside the top 100, which is what we're talking about today. Um, it, it's hard for me to pin one specific guy down. I have a bunch that I like, but if right. I really had to pick one right now, 
I really think it's going to have to be Nerland's Noel. There's a lot of guys I like, but Noel last season was a top 80 guy. You know, Mitchell Robinson is, he still hasn't been cleared to come back and play yet, right? So he's dealing with the foot injury. Mitchell Robinson's going to miss some time. You know, his value goes up even more. Uh, the dude is definitely not somebody that's, uh, you know, sexy or somebody that's going to, you know, do anything flashy for your team. He's not going to score a lot of points. Uh, but, I mean, he just needed 24 minutes last year to average 6.4 boards, 2.2 uh, blocks, 1.1 steals, and just one turnover per game. Shot 61% from the floor. You know, to get a guy so late in a draft who can give you, those, you know, that kind of production, uh, that's why he's – high and above you know my top pick here yeah he's like the stocks king right three three steals and blocks over the course of his career on average and if Mitchell Robinson isn't healthy you got to expect that it's going to be Noel to man the center position for the uh the Knicks now the Knicks tooled up quite a bit but you're not relying on Nerland's Noel for any kind of offensive contributions he's really just there for the defensive presence so you know if you're looking for a late rounder if you missed out on some of the better bigs, you know, Nerlens Noel is certainly serviceable. So I'll go to you, Koffler. Who do you like outside the top 100? So this first guy falls just outside of the top 100, coming in at uh, 104 in categories rankings over at ESPN. That's Jakob Petal. And we talked about him a lot uh, last season, especially after uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, had his kind of buyout with the Spurs. Um, and uh, Pop finally gave Pedal the minutes he deserved, right? Uh, for the first few years of his career, he was sitting in the mid-teens minutes in 2019. And prior to uh, Aldridge's departure, he was only averaging 17 minutes a game. That spiked up to 27 minutes per game last season. But if you look after Aldridge left, those minutes were really in like the, the, the low to mid-30s. And here's a guy that started started putting together games of 15 points, 10, 11 boards, a steal, an assist, a few blocks. You know who that sounds like? It sounds eerily similar to Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert is considered one of the safest picks in all fantasy basketball. Hanshaw, you tweeted that earlier in the week, that you can't go wrong with Rudy Gobert. And while Jakob Petal may not get you those 15, 16, 17 boards, he's going to be able to get you some of those same stats in all the same categories that Rudy Gobert does, right? They both don't shoot threes. They both don't turn the ball over and they both shoot over 60% from the field. And, you know, both kind of have lower free throw percentage. Now I'm not saying he's Rudy Gobert, but I'm saying he's much, he should be much higher valued than 104. If we're going to be looking at Rudy Gobert as a top 30 guy. And I'm working on an article about safest draft picks right now. And Pirtle is one of the guys that I have in the later rounds of your draft. I mean, for the exact reasons you mentioned, dude, uh, you know, he's going to get the boards. He's not a stretch five, so he's always going to be in the paint. He's going to be racking up those boards, field goal percentage, uh, you know, elite blocks. And his minutes should only keep going up this year, dude. So I think that's an awesome pick. Yeah, San Antonio is going to be a really interesting fantasy squad because they're squarely in the in the midst of a rebuild. and they really only have, you know, Keldon Johnson, De- DeJounte Murray, Derek White. And so in terms of like the front court, though, there's no front court presence there. I know, Zach, you and I were really high on on Sagoon going to San Antonio in the draft. And the fact that they passed on him must mean that they really like pedal, right? Um, at that point, 
you know, they could have they had a, a solid opportunity to, to bolster that front court and they didn't do it. So Jakob Petal, though, I like it. Very good pick. Very good pick. I'm going to go with my boy Tyrese Maxey. He's deep in the rankings at ESPN at number 186. And right now I see they have Ben Simmons at 44. And all I can tell is you got to you got to update your rankings per the information that's available to you. And, you know, what we've seen from Ben Simmons is that he's digging in him and Rich Ball. He's not planning to report to training camp, which starts in just what couple within a couple weeks now. And he has no intentions of playing. He's ready to miss game checks. So to me, I'm like, why are you ranking the potential starting point guard so low? And I love what I saw out of Tyrese Maxey in summer league. They gave him the keys to the to the offense. He wound up contributing, you know, one of the highest points per game in the summer league, small sample size. But, like, let's look at this guy's per 36 numbers, 18, 4, and 5. And the times that Simmons missed the games and, and starts that he had last season, he was right there, 18, 4, and 4, with a 23% usage rate. So I think that this is going to be a, a squad that's going to be very dependent on Joel Embiid and, and Tobias Harris. But as that third scoring option, I think you might see Tyrese Maxey kind of emerge there while also getting some dimes. And if he gets the minutes, man, I'm all for it. So sign me up for Tyrese Maxey at that value. Man, as a as a fellow Sixers fan, I love to hear it. But should we pump the brakes a little bit on Tyrese Maxey, right? He's, he's, he's a starting about, point guard, though. <laughs> I know, but you're talking, you're talking per 36. We, we can't assume this guy's going to sit here and play 36, right? Like. It's as, per thirty six, but if even if he yeah. gets so if he gets thirty though if he gets if he's slotted for thirty is he not going to provide decent value? Yeah, and actually, and, and here's one of the here's one of the benefits of of taking a guy who might be third or fourth. You know, Joel Embiid is probably going to miss fifteen to twenty games this season when he's off the Easily. floor. When he's off the floor, you know, take the starting point guard of the Sixers. Like that's that's a guy I want on my team, right? And. I just don't I don't see how Ben Simmons is is going to play for the Sixers this season. You're right. I mean, Maxie's going to have the opportunity. He shouldn't be ranked at 186. He should be more like, you know, 106 at the very highest. And again, like this season is very long, right? So there's going to be people that you're going to be scooping up late rounds and drafts that will provide value for the short term. You know, it's fantasy. So you could be building up draft stock that you could potentially flip that for somebody later on. We don't know how the Simmons thing is going to work out. Potentially he gets traded. Another name comes over, depending on who they trade for, that might send him to the bench. But um, I think that there's a lot of signals that are pointing to Tyrese Maxey being um, a pretty foundational piece of this franchise. So, yeah, I'm just really excited about him. And, yeah, there may be some little homer standing there, but I'm going to be picking him up as a late-round selection in most of my drafts this year. So we'll go to number two, Zach. Where are you at? So another guy that I like is Reggie Jackson. He's ranked 170 on ESPN. Currently have him ranked inside my top 90. You know, last eight games of the playoffs last year, obviously no Kawhi. He averaged 21 points, four assists, four rebounds, three triples, 1.6 steals. I mean, somebody's got to shoot the ball for this team, right? Paul George isn't going to be doing everything, and the most – reliable scorer outside of him to me is going to be Reggie Jackson and he's a guy that's going to be running the point you know he averaged over six per game in uh you know his best season when he was with the Thunder so he can do those kind of things he can score he can facilitate he's a decent rebounder for the point guard position talk me off the ledge here guys am I am I really overreacting am I reaching here or will he really just being undervalued and people aren't paying close enough attention yeah, I mean, Reggie Jackson was on a downward trajectory in his career, you know, leading up to that 
spurt of time last season when Kawhi didn't play for the Clippers. And, you know, you mentioned the stats you mentioned on him, like 20 points, four assists, four rebounds. Those are the kind of numbers we're expecting from like Derek White this season, right? There's no way Reggie Jackson's going to do that again. Um, you know, going into his 11th or 12th year in the league, I see, I see where you're, I see where you're saying he has some value. Obviously the Clippers did bring in Eric Bledsoe. And while nobody thinks Eric Bledsoe is very good anymore, he's going to have to take some shots as well. You figure Terrence Mann is going to take another step in his uh, development as he looked very good at the end of last season as well. So I don't know that I'm as high as you on Reggie Jackson, because he's got some issues with the field goal percentage he was really good last year in terms of shooting, but I don't know that that's sustainable for him. He's not a very good career uh, shooter. Uh, and the turnovers are a little bit worrisome. Um, but yeah, like like you said, like someone's going to have to put the ball in the basket in in, uh, in LA for the Clippers. It's a very kind of uh, a narrow, you know, like in the NFL, we'll call it like a target funnel, you know, with the Seahawks, with Tyler Lock and DK Metcalf. For the Clippers, it's going to be like Reggie Jackson and, and Paul George until Kawhi's back and Kawhi may never be back this season. So, I'm okay going in on, on Reggie Jackson there. Yeah, I think it's pretty low risk, to be honest. In the 18 games that they that they didn't play together last season, Reggie was at 14, 14 points, five assists, four rebounds, made two threes per contest. So, like, I think that's pretty much what you've come to expect with Reggie Jackson at this point. Um, he'll give you some buckets, a little bit of dimes with some with sprinkle of, of three-pointers, and I think the playoffs really showed off his shooting touch. Like he really went took it to another notch in terms of his volume and his accuracy. So I think with, with Kawhi Leonard out of the way, this should certainly help his fantasy value might be one of those guys. You might have to draft and dump every once in a while. Might see him on the waivers, but he'll certainly have moments where he'll be valuable. um, Especially if you're not prioritizing guards uh, because there is a plethora of them, right? Like guards are the wide receivers of fantasy football. So you can, you can pick them up pretty much any time. You guys still haven't taught me off the ledge, man. I'm gonna. I love the points. I love the the discourse, but man, I'm I'm going all in on Reggie this year. Yeah. So, Adam, who do you like for your uh, another guy you like outside top 100? This one's deep diving. I kind of cheated on my first one. I I went with you know 104. This one that wasn't that that was definitely not spicy at all. Let's this, <laughs> the spicy part about Pedal is that he can be <laughs> as almost as good as Rudy Gobert. That's the spicy part. Yeah, I, yeah. Thank God you prefaced that by saying he's not Rudy Gobert because he's like, not Rudy. He's not Rudy Gobert. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is Devin Booker, but Jakob nah, can't yeah, be Rudy yeah. Gobert. Anyway, oh, I thought you were the, done with. I thought you were done with the stupid takes, man. Come that, on, that 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 was <laughs> that that was a shot to a, a previous conversation last year where Adam compared Tim Hardaway Jr. to a lightweight, full Devin Booker. Such so disrespect. Was, so, Still haven't let that one down, but <laughs> man, we we digress. We digress. Who, we who digress. you got, man? So I'm going down to number 184, and that's Isaiah Roby. Now, this is an interesting one. The Thunder have a lot of players that they want to play, but Roby is a guy that kind of shined last season when given the opportunity. When he played over 30 minutes, and that was only in nine games, he averaged 12 points, six boards, and two and a half stocks, and. Everybody keeps saying, oh, well, you know, OKC brought in Derek Favors. Derek Favors is going to go there, take the starting center job, revitalize his career. Derek Favors is really going to go to OKC, be the starting center for a rebuilding team. Like, come on. If if OKC is in the rebuilding stage like they are, you need to see what you have in some of your youngsters, right? Can Isaiah Roby take that next step up? He's in his third season, but 
for all intents and purposes, it's really his sophomore season as in 2019, he only played three games and that was like the bubble. So really you're looking at a guy who's in a sophomore season who played pretty well in his quote unquote rookie year. And I just expect that if he starts and sees the minutes that, that he's going to produce and for a guy at 184 to have those two and a half steals plus blocks per game, like you don't get that at 184 very often. So for that reason, I'm pretty high on Isaiah Roby and a couple other guys uh, in Oklahoma city. Uh, but as a team, man, some of those guys just shoot such poor percentages like Alexei Pokusevsky, you know, Lou Dort. Like, those guys are going to cream you in field goal percentage, whereas a guy like Roby's not going to do that. So uh, I'm taking a shot on Roby down at uh, 184. You can't really contest the fact that there's no front court, really. Derek Favors is going to be a trade piece. Let's be honest. That's what all the veterans go to OKC to do. They go there, sit for a minute, and then get, get shipped out somewhere else. So... Yeah, I think that there's not going to be really much competition yeah. now with Moses Brown out of there, especially. like nope, That was the only nope, guy that was going to really right. compete with him. No Moses Brown, no Tony Bradley, obviously no yeah. Al Horford. right? It's Derek, it's Derek Favors. It's it's Isaiah Roby. OKC has shown that they want to play small ball, run up and down the floor. Like, yeah. give, me, give me all the Roby. Depends on the value, right? I, I definitely see a world in which Derek Favors is valuable, at least maybe to start the season. Uh, you know, maybe they bring Roby along slowly. Uh, maybe OKC isn't quite committed to bringing him on right away. I mean, the last time we saw Derek Favors uh, get over 20 minutes a game with the Pelicans, you know, he was averaging 9 and 10. You know, obviously not a guy that's going to get you a lot of those stocks, but he's a high field goal percentage. Um, you know, he can provide some decent reserve minutes. I don't know, man. I just see a world in which Favors is a lot more productive than, you know, than what we're anticipating right now. It's it's interesting. I mean, one would think that on a rebuilding team, you'd want to you'd want to play your your young guys and have the vets there for sort of that leadership type role. So, you know, I think if, if, if they're doing it the right way, it's, it's starting Isaiah Roby. If, if, if they want, you know, an anchor at center, who's not going to be able to run up and down the floor with the rest of the team. I mean, that's Derek favors. So I, I think it's, I think it's based on if Roby gets the this, this starting, uh, starting five spot. Agreed, man. And to your point, Roby is, he is no risk, right? I mean, if you can get him that late in your draft, the draft capital for him compared to favors is going to, I mean, it's going to always favor Roby. And I think he probably does have the higher ceiling as well. So, yeah, I feel like we're all the, the value seems to be in the big men late in the drafts here. So I'm going to go to the yeah. next guy. I, I got a pizza Zubach from the Clippers. I think that this guy is going to step into a bigger role after what he did in the playoffs, average 13 and 11 in 31 minutes against the Phoenix Suns. And I think we really started to see him emerge when he was battling with DeAndre Ayton um, in the in the post there. And the Clippers didn't really add much in the front court. They did pick up Isaiah Hartenstein from the Cavs. And I think he'll probably be a bench piece. You know, he was pretty versatile in some minutes in uh, Cleveland last year. But I think that they're going to use this guy as a bruiser, especially when they need to to kind of pack the paint. And we saw that Sergi Baca can't be relied upon. This dude's having back issues. He's already getting up there in age. He did accept that qualifying offer, but I'm not expecting a huge amount of, of output from him in the course of the season. Zubac is only 24. Seemed to have earned the trust of Ty Lu. So I think you can do a lot worse uh, late in the draft. If you miss out on some of the big men, this guy's giving you per 36 averages, 15, 12, one and a half blocks. 
You know, I don't expect him to play 36 minutes as a big man, but I think 30, 30 minutes is certainly in the cards as after what we saw in the, uh, in the playoffs. I think that's the key. It's what we saw in the playoffs. We saw his last three playoff games, 34, 32, and 40 minutes. So he's got, like you say, he's got the trust of Ty Lue. He's putting up like 15 and 15. I remember he was a staple in DFS lineups. He was, he, was. he didn't have the, yeah. he didn't have the highest ceiling, but man, that floor was so high uh, with that double, double. He's definitely got to give you a double double a night with a you know a block or two, so I, I like that pick. Yeah, he's pretty consistent nine and seven over the last three years. So you figure you get that uptick in minutes, you could be looking at a a ten and ten kind of guy, which you know that's really solid if you're looking for some counting stats there. Um, so yeah, let's let's close out the round here, Zach. Who's uh, who's your third guy? And give me an honorable mention. I like Larry Nance at one seventy nine. I like Anthony Melton at one eighty five. TJ McConnell one twenty six, who was Coughler's guy last season, and yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. at one twenty. So I, I give you four right there. I like all those guys as late round values. But a guy that I'm going to hammer the table for, as far as rankings go, I think he's going to keep rising. Isaiah Stewart, dude from the Pistons, uh, he's ranked one twenty eight right now, but. Top 75 potential, maybe more, maybe top 60 potential this season. Uh, with Mason Plumley gone, is he going to see, is he going to push for 30 minutes a game? If he does, I think he can be maybe a 12 and 10 guy, maybe, you know, one and a half, two blocks per night. He only averaged 21 minutes per game last season, put up eight and seven with 1.3 blocks, uh, you know, high percentage field goal shooter. Doesn't really, he, he's not going to drag you down as much as some of these other bigs will with the free throw percentage. So I, I, I really think the sky's the limit for this guy. And I think that's just an incredible value right there. Hanshu, you're not worried about Kelly Olinick in this three year, $38 million contract? No, I, I know this is a family show, but fuck Kelly Olinick, dude. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not worried about him been really good wherever he's been Detroit brought him in as a glue guy off the bench I mean because the rest of the Pistons depth is Trey Lyles Luca Garza uh, guys like that who you're not gonna you're not gonna throw out and give them meaningful minutes so Olenek is a great backup and if if Stewart's ankle is maybe more of a problem he tweaked that over the summer so if that ends up being more of a problem for him maybe Olenek sees some run you know maybe early in the season I I just don't see him being a big threat I think Stewart uh, all NBA rookie selection last year I think he's really the future of this team yeah, but they gave him that Solomon Hill money, man. That's that, that's the kind of money that that's the kind of money that you it, you have a hard time benching a guy. But it's funny. Remember, I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a, a Twitter video that surfaced about Kelly Olynyk, and the guy captioned it: uh, "Your average NBA player will just give you buckets at your local gym." And then all the all the quote tweets were talking about how Kelly Olynyk is not average, and he's he's very much above an average basketball player in the NBA. So. You know, I do like Isaiah Stewart as well. Obviously, he shined when Mason Plumlee was out of the lineup last season down the stretch when the Pistons were tanking um, to get Cade Cunningham. Um, but I, I do think that Kelly Olenek does see some minutes here that probably, you know, caps the ceiling of Isaiah Stewart. But the same thing could happen this season that happened last season where, you know, Olenek's kind of kind of fades off and maybe rests or gets traded to a, a contender like we see with some of these vets that, that have a, a better role at, on a, on a team that's winning. And uh, there you go. Stewart could smash towards the end of the season. So I, I like the Stewart pick for that reason. Yeah. I had Stewart on, on definitely on some late 
some late season runs in the playoffs last year that was pretty profitable. But yeah, I can't help deny the the presence of Kelly Olynyk because he's le- he's at least more offensively capable than Mason Plumley. But you know, there's still I, I think there's just still fine time at least probably in that 28 minute range for Isaiah Stewart. But interested to see what lineup Detroit runs out there because they can't start all their young dudes. Sadiq Bay had a really good coming out party. Cade Cunningham's obviously going to be a, a really big factor in their offense. And then you still got Jeremy Grant, who no one likes to talk about. But um, it's going to be hard for Stewart to really thrive offensively. But I think he's going to really make his mark if he can play defense, get some rebounds, and play aggressive. Um, that's what's really going to earn him time on the court in a Dwayne Casey in a Dwayne Casey system. What uh, what say you, Koffler? Who's your Who's your last dude? My last guy's at one sixty two. Aaron Gordon. No, nope. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. We need to talk about. We need to talk about. How on earth Aaron Gordon went from like a third, fourth round pick two years ago, and now we're talking about Aaron Gordon at 162. And didn't the Nuggets just give him like a $90 million extension? Oh, they gave him a bag. Was it bag, $90 million? Bag. So ridiculous. Bag, bag. Oh, my bag, goodness. Bag. Like, what are they doing? <laughs> I think I think Aaron Gordon's worse than Kelly Olynyk at this point, to be honest with you. For fantasy, he is. Yeah. No, in real yeah. life. Oh, I think really- Kelly Olynyk will. <laughs> Kelly Olynyk is better. It's a better NBA player than Aaron Gordon at this point in, in both their careers. Now. Defensively, I feel like Aaron Gordon probably holds his own. Uh, Kelly Olynyk gave gave you buckets in Houston last season. Anyway, Houston was my, trash. My real my real sleeper here for my last guy is Mo Bamba, one eighty seven. And the Magic signed Robin Lopez. I was a little concerned. Maybe like they don't give Mo Bamba the run that that Mo Bamba got towards the end of last season. But I think Robin Lopez was brought to Orlando as sort of an ambassador for the Disney Orlando sponsorship. The Lopez, oh, seriously, man, the Lopez twins, the Lopez twins are like these are big Disney guys. And like, that's not only the big, and then you can, you can have him sort of, you know, coaching up guys like Wendell Carter Jr. And Mo Bamba, both kind of young centers. Right. And so I don't think Robin Lopez gets a ton of minutes. Um, after, after Vucevic was traded away from the magic last season, we started to see Mo Bamba's minutes tick up a little bit. Uh, about 18 minutes a game, you know, not terrible because he's, he produces uh, when he does get minutes. So, you know, any kind of uptick in minutes from Obama is good. But then once they released Ken Birch, then we really started to see Mo Bamba in the mid twenties range. And in his last 14 games uh, last season, he averaged 12 points, nine and a half rebounds, one and a half assists, two blocks and one and a half three pointers made per game. And that's with splitting time with Wendell Carter Jr. because they don't share the floor. And if I'm looking at the skill sets of Bamba, Wendell Carter, and Robin Lopez, I think Robin Lopez probably takes minutes away from Wendell Carter because they kind of have a similar skill set, whereas Mo Bamba stretches the floor, shoots the three. And not to mention, Mo Bamba's in a contract year. So if he wants to get a, a, a big contract from the Magic or another team, he's going to want to show out. And obviously the one knock on him has been you know, he's dealt with he's dealt with COVID, dealt with a couple injuries, but his motor isn't, you know, what it needs to be. So if he can work on, you know, showing the coaching staff that he's dedicated, you know, work on his motor a little bit, you know, even if he sees, you know, minutes in the low to mid twenties, like we're talking about a guy who's gonna provide some fantasy value. So I definitely like the like the upside of Mo Bamba over Wendell Carter. And right now Carter is being ranked above Mo Bamba. They got a whole new system now with Steve Clifford out of the way. Jamal Mosley is now their coach, you know, a longtime assistant of Dallas Mavericks, definitely a defensive minded uh, head coach. 
So I think these people like Jonathan Isaacs, the Mo Bambas, the guys that have been there for a while that literally just can't stay healthy and have not ever had a significant chance to prove themselves. I'm curious to see how training camp goes. I'm definitely going to be in a wait and see approach for most of Orlando because there's just so much young talent there. Who's going to win out? You know, Jalen Suggs could be a beast. Cole Anthony, he had a decent rookie year, but he could certainly could have gotten better. Maybe Markel Fultz comes back to being something of relevancy. Who knows? But like that front court's super interesting with Wendell Carter there um, because they're both high draft capital, but yet neither of them can stay healthy. So who's going to win out of that? And it's not, definitely not going to be Disney Robin Robin Lopez. So I, I feel you on but, that. But Robin Lo- Robin <laughs> Lopez, Robin Lopez, like low key had fantasy value last season for the Wizards. He did for the Wizards. Yeah. Ooh. The Westbrook effect. The Westbrook effect. Right. Yeah, man. How how bad did you feel last year if you had Robin Lopez, even as a streamer in any of your fantasy? Ugh. Dude, that's that's, that's the type gross. of uh, makes you sick, dude. But I mean, yeah, Mo Bamba, if he can get twenty minutes or more, the dude has been awesome on a yeah, per minute basis. I mean, it's just that's his, that's been his problem is staying on the court and getting those consistent minutes. So. I definitely agree with you, Titus. I think this is one where we we just got to wait and see. But uh, as far as the upside goes, man, Wendell Carter Jr. is not a guy that's been able to stay on the court consistently so far. So, you know, Bamba has – he has a a path to minutes, man, for sure. All right. And to close out, man, I'm going to go with DeAndre Hunter. Prior to his meniscus tear, this man was a fantasy beast. 33 minutes a game, put up 17-6-3 with solid – shooting percentages and gave you 1.4 stocks man I was all in on DeAndre Hunter I had him on a lot of teams so I was really disappointed to see him go down he really couldn't get back his get back into stride once he came back for the playoffs after that meniscus injury but he's coming into camp fully healthy the problem is he's going to have a log jam of competition in that front court uh, with a lot of people like Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish so He's probably going to be fighting for minutes initially, but I think his defense is what really will keep him on the court. Ultimately, with Nate McMillan, he loves these defensive-minded guys. And let's be honest, the Hawks don't really play that much defense anyway. But uh, more encouraging is that, according to Cleaning the Glass, Hunter was a small forward in the two lineups that the Hawks had the fewest amount of points per 100 possessions. So this guy makes an impact on the defensive side of the floor, and he's just he's pretty damn good at offense, too. So if he can stay healthy, man, look out. I think you're going to be getting a really nice value there. But this guy's currently ranked at 118. He could easily be in the top 100 as he proved last season when healthy. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm a little concerned. Uh, I wish I wish John Collins wasn't there uh, still. And then obviously Kevin Herter came on pretty strong last season uh, yeah, while Hunter was out of the lineup. And then Cam Reddish was, was in and out of the lineup as well. But there's definitely some minutes for Hunter. He should be a staple in the starting lineup if he's healthy. My one honorable mention, no clue why Robert Williams is 125, but I know I touted him in a separate episode, so I won't go into the details, but that's criminal. He should be off the board in nothing less than the you know the sixth round, seventh round, something like that. Don't wait till 10. And Aaron Gordon at 162 is criminal. Make sure you get him on your on your teams. <laughs> Shout out to all the Denver Nuggets fans out there. Super happy about blowing the bag on Aaron Gordon. All right, that'll close out our show for today. Hanshu, thank you for joining us, man. It's always great talking hoops with you. Where can the people find you, and what are you working on? You can find me on Twitter at Zach the Monster. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm putting together hoops, uh, a bunch of hoops articles over at Fantasy Pros. Uh, some of those are being featured on NBA.com, uh, and I will be doing DFS work for Fantasy Labs here when the uh, NBA season starts. Hell yeah, can't wait, man. Can't yes, wait. 
Koffler, uh, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Koffler. That's where all my stuff is. Uh, right for a couple different uh, sites, and then obviously do this weekly podcast with with uh, my man Titus. Zach, thanks for coming on the show, man. You were uh, fantastic. Definitely some good insight. Uh, I'll be picking up some shares of uh, Reggie Jackson, Isaiah Stewart, and Erlens Noel this season. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Make sure you check out the Action Network app. Check out the Buckets show on Wednesday with Matt Moore, Raheem Palmer, and Brandon Anderson. With that, we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.